Good afternoon and welcome to Blackout Recovery. Hello Danny, hello Jackie. Hello Richard. <laughs> this is a new one for me and had I been more organised I'd have thought about doing this live but I wasn't really organised enough for that. So that's why we're doing it now and it will go out next week or the week after. Anyway, it's great to have you here and it's great to talk about this kind of stuff because it's not just an ordinary recovery story we're talking about. And what I'd like to hear, I suppose, is the journey as in how you got to producing these cards, the addiction and recovery affirmation cards that you've produced and that are available. If you look for them, they will be, and I'm sure Jackie will explain where they're available later on. But I'm particularly interested in the journey that got you there. And because it is a considerable journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it began just under six years ago. Your journey, I'd say seven years ago when you hit rock bottom. Yeah. I was homeless. I was drinking myself to death. I was taking a ridiculous amount of narcotics alongside the alcohol. You were nasty. You were cruel. You... Pushed everybody away. Yeah, I was on a downward spiral to ending up in an early grave. But then fate found a way of offering me a way out. I injured myself. I was put out of work because I was put into a cast, a plaster cast on my foot. And I was forced into a detox for two months. Let's be nice. (laughs) I didn't force (laughs) you into a detox. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, (laughs) let let me tell the story. He injured his foot and he was living with a friend a mutual friend of ours but obviously with an injured foot foot in the air plaster i then said okay come over to my house but i was not going to be buying anything there was no alcohol in my house at that point because i'd taken it all out and he was unable to move he was unable to walk so if i left the house i would lock the front door if he needed to go out for fresh air he could in the back way and that was it we didn't realize that what we were doing was detoxing, in all honesty, because you had been looking after me because I'd been ill. Yeah. And the stipulation was no drinking, no drugs in the house because of my son. And he actually did stick to that. He was still drinking. He was taking it while he was walking the dogs. But we know he was detoxing because he had fractured his leg in three different places two weeks prior to coming to my house and not felt it because everything was being numbed but at my house he started complaining he was only at mine for two weeks he started complaining that his leg was hurting and it was getting worse and the day you left I said do me a favor go to the doctors and get it checked out Monday you phoned me up Jack picked me up from the hospital because <laughs> I fractured my foot mm-hmm. and that's when we found out it had been fractured for four weeks yeah. So you had naturally been detoxing. It wasn't like a boom, stop, that's yeah, it, yeah, you're done. Yeah, because yeah, the boom, stop is bloody dangerous. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I mean, the reason why I'm particularly interested in this is because it's, it's a mutual journey. It's both of you. Mm-hmm. And we don't often hear this. And we certainly don't often hear it anywhere in the media in that we hear both partners talking at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this thing about you having somewhere to go in your last chance saloon, as I know you were. And it's funny, isn't it, whether it's God incidence or synchronicity or coincidence, how something happens that gives you pause for stopping and yeah. thought. Yeah. And boom, everything changes. We were, for that year that we, because we were together and then we had a year where we were off. And in that time, there were a lot of 
uncertainties. There were a lot of angry outbursts from Daniel, so I'd block him, then I'd unblock him, because I didn't stop loving him, didn't stop caring or worrying about him, but I didn't want to deal with what he was throwing at me. But when it came down to the crunch, and I had to go in and have an operation, and come out and was told, you have two weeks, don't pick things up, don't, and I'm like, whoa, hang on, I have two dogs, I have a son, he's got to go to school, my mum was on holiday, my sister was on holiday, my brother lives in Dudley, so there's no way he can do it, and my dad was dog-sitting at my sister's. And it was like, who else can I trust? And with everything that had happened, it was still Daniel. So he came in when I needed him, so when he did his foot, I didn't feel right saying, see ya, thanks for all your help, bye. So he slept on the sofa with his foot in the air, it's kind of funny, you know. <laughs> it was my turn to wait on him, hand and foot even though he hobbled into the kitchen because he's a he hoards the kitchen that's his domain so even with his foot in the cast he would still insist on trying to help but that's actually where the repair started was when he came in for me and we realized after that he had actually been lessening his intake yeah it's been weaning myself off yeah but gradually. it was i'm still drinking but because i had to take brandon to school and pick him up from school i wasn't drinking in the day anymore Winning yourself down by default, really. Yeah, but it was, I felt honoured, and I know this is a weird thing, and I probably haven't even told you, I felt honoured that he would do that, because I also knew that nobody else had managed to get him to do that. To him, drink was everything. He lived to get a bottle of vodka. He lived to go and get his next gram of Coke. That was his thing. Jack, I never bought grams of Coke. Well, whatever. Eights. Oh, <laughs> Amateurs <laughs> buy grams, don't they? Can you, you, know what I mean? can you tell on. I don't do it? <laughs> okay, whatever. Here his Coke then, let's just say that. But, you know, so nobody stood in his way. That was his yeah. thing. And yet here he was actually saying, okay, Jack, I'm going to do this for you. And for me, that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest eye-opener yeah. where I thought, he is still there. Daniel, the guy that I fell for, is still there. So that made me work even harder. It's like there's a mask around them. The person is still the person. Yeah. But what they become under the influence is something that you don't want to see. Yeah. It's almost like when you go past a building that's got frosted glass, you can see the people behind them. They're like the shadow of a person that what you see on the outside is like a, an outline, a shadow. That's kind of yeah. what it felt like to me. I knew he was in there but I couldn't see him. I couldn't see yeah. the detail of Daniel, but you get glimpses of him, and those glimpses are actually what kept me hoping. It's really. funny that, because the frosted glass thing, that's how I was seeing the world when I was drinking. Yeah. yeah. That's how I saw everyone and everything yeah, else. That you there's a wall of it around me. We see the same thing, but we see you behind the frosted yeah. glass. So basically, you're mm. seeing us through the frosted glass, we're seeing you through the frosted glass, yeah. there's no way to get in. You want to know the reality, the truth? I desperately wanted to stop yeah. for a long time before all this happened. It was a long, long time. I wanted to stop long before you kicked me out and I ended up on the street. I wanted to stop long before then. I knew that I had to stop, but I didn't know how. I had no idea how to. Because I was physically dependent, I couldn't do it. So, I had that problem. You know physically I mean? dependent and not yeah. wanting to do it, but doing it anyway. It's like throwing up every morning and, th and throwing up blood and then instantaneously, as soon as the vomit's out, reach for the vodka, drinking the vodka and vomiting it up, but okay, well, maybe if I mix the vodka with milk, it'll settle my stomach, and that's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's true, that's what it works though. We're not supposed to be giving people Stop tips. It. For, the, for, that first, that, for that first hit of the day, I'd always buy a bottle of Come milk on. and a quarter bottle of vodka. And that would set on my stomach enough so that I could then continue to drink the vodka neat. Crazy. But I didn't want to do that. I hated it, man. I, I absolutely hated it. It was horrible. I was a horrible person. All the self-harming shit and the cutting myself and burning myself and... Stabbing yourself. Yeah, trying to hang myself and all kinds yeah. of horrible shit like that, man. It's like, that ain't me. Do you but know what I mean? That thing. wasn't the person I was years ago when I was growing up. And even when I started going out and drinking and taking drugs, I wasn't that person. I was a fun happy person it was only the last sort of i'd say from 2010 onwards the last seven years of my drinking career it was not fun anymore i like how you call it a career it is a career it is it's hard work man well it is like having two jobs (laughs) (laughs) i've heard it said it's like having more than one job yeah i wanted to stop man i did i just didn't know how to And, and this god incident whatever you want to call it this fate that happened it got me to stop but I knew that it wouldn't last. I knew that my chances of staying stopped without somebody intervening from outside. Before I knew it, I'd be back out again. And I'd already been told by the doctor, this will kill you. You ain't got long. You haven't got long. Because eventually I did fess up to the doctor and I did tell the truth. Because for months and months and months I've been lying to the doctors and lying to counsellors, lying to the drug workers about how much I was doing. And when I eventually did own up to the doctor and told him the extent of the problem. It was like, you should be dead. And if you don't stop, you will be dead pretty quick. Even when you were at mine with your foot cast up and I'd woken up at a stupid o'clock, couldn't go back to sleep, so I'm flicking through your phone, you know, your phone's next to you, start scrolling through. I saw an article, a friend, mutual friend of ours, he was in the paper, so I read the article and underneath is Russell Brand and he's talking about changes and so I thought oh interesting and I screenshot because I thought I'll remember that we'll talk about that and I'll get Daniel to read the article well the next morning took Brandon to school came back I said oh I've got something to show you it was on the Birmingham Mail and we couldn't find it because they rotate everything round. and I said I know I wasn't dreaming and I know I wasn't imagining because look I've got a screenshot and we had a conversation, turned around to him and said, I've now got to go back for Brandon. Here, here's the website address. I was gone no more than half an hour, 45 minutes max. Yeah. Came back to find Daniel sat in front of the computer, crying his eyes out, telling me, that's me. And every story that was on that website, he saw himself in, in whatever yeah. capacity, but that was Daniel. So I asked him, what are you doing? He says, I'm applying. This was like music, (laughs) you know, the opera, the angels singing, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, really? Are you? He said, yeah, but I don't want to send this list. And I was like, what list? And I kid you not, if you could see me, you'd see I'm not the tallest, but the length of my arm was the list of substances that he had tried, used and enjoyed. I hadn't heard of half of them, right? I was like, what is this? What is that? And he's going, oh, it's this. And he was explaining it to me and it just went over my head and went, oh, I can't deal with this. I have to go. But he sent this application off. I was gobsmacked because I really didn't think he would. I was just passing saying, ah, look. Because it has to be self-referral. Yeah. Yeah, Certainly that process. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't think he would. I just thought I'll show it to him so he knows that there is something out there. He's going to be serious about it. 
I was serious about wanting to stay stopped but because I'd my, managed to stop. But that was my first real evidence that you were serious. Yeah. You told me so many times and just never happened. And obviously, so when he got into changes, we were still not together. We were, I would say, best friends, but we were not an item. We became an item. Yeah, but you're forgetting the other God incident that happened. Oh, yes. I have a lot of dreams. No, I'm uh, talking about... I went to the cemetery. Yeah, 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 but I had a lot of dreams, and I kept telling you, your dad oh, keeps coming yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Your dad's talking to me. Ah. He was like, no, it's not true, I don't believe in it. So... Every Christmas Eve, Daniel goes to the cemetery to his dad's grave and his nan's there and his granddad's there. And I said to him, okay, I'll call you bluff. When you go to the cemetery, ask him for a sign that only you know. Don't <laughs> tell me what it is, but I'm telling you now, they're listening. Ask him. So now you carry on with the story. Yeah, I so I travel from Erdington to Little Aston, which is... I think it's three different buses, a train and two buses, on crutches in my cast yeah. to go to my dad's grave. Bummed on the train as well. I upped on the train and nearly got caught by the conductor. I had to get off and hop back We're on not the condoning things. <laughs> so I get to... Uh, the... We condone honesty, though, above all else. <laughs> it's an honest programme, isn't it? I get to the cemetery and it's like day before Christmas Eve, I think, or it, maybe... It was the 23rd of December, yeah, I can yeah. tell you exactly. So I'm up at the grave on my knees in the frost begging my dad for help because Jack said he'd been appearing to her in dreams so I'm begging him for help for guidance and as I'm talking to him I'm talking to him out loud as well in this in this graveyard my phone starts vibrating in my pocket and answer the phone and it's changes UK phoning me up telling me to go in after Christmas the bit that we forgot to say is his application was put in on the 20th of December and I actually said to him, look, don't expect miracles, it's yeah. Christmas is coming up. You probably won't hear until the new year. Mm. Don't stress, but well done for sending it. So to hear yeah, on the like 23rd of December, yeah. you have a place, but let your foot heal a little bit more, what but come in. What you to know was that you'd actually applied at just the right time. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. rehabs don't stop because yeah. it's Christmas. Yeah, man. And also, a lot of people decide that they don't really want to be there just before Christmas, yeah, and true. places tend to suddenly crop up. Yeah. And it's when we make these steps ourselves, invariably things start happening, don't they? This is it. So yeah, I moved in. January. Mid-January, yeah, I think. Mid-January, because yeah. you had yeah. your base Yeah, I had to wait for the cast to come off, and for one like of those boot, space boots booty things to on. be put on. They wouldn't let me in with a cast on because the insurance and stuff. But yeah, I did my two months there. That's where I met you, Rich. Yeah, because I was there and then I went mad again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is not about me. <laughs> yes, I, was, I was there at the initial point. You've yeah. been an important part of, of this yeah. because straight away, I liked you. Yeah, it was quite immediate, wasn't it? Yeah, because I looked for you and a couple of other people when I came back. Yeah. Not that I really knew what happened last few months but when I actually came back in I was yeah I, I remember looking yeah and I think the way that our journeys cross those of us who stick at it is yeah. quite extraordinary really it yeah. is man and here we are nearly six years later staggering ups really. and downs but yeah in the house <laughs> that I was in the other place and you moved here because that's when I replaced my coffee machine <laughs> No, it was yours. Yeah, so I yeah, yeah. I, I took the coffee machine. Speaking of which, there is coffee there. Yeah. <laughs>
Anyway, where did we get to? We were at when you'd gone we, into I'd, I'd rehab. Moved, moved in, did two months. Completed the recovery academy. Went into dry house living for two years, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think at that point you had, because you used to have the visits, didn't you, on a Sunday? Yes. And you only yes. had an hour. The stipulation was you have to come every week and then his mum would come every other week because you could only have two visitors. So I would go every week and then his mum would join me every other week. So it'd be one week with my son and one week with his mum. And you had asked me at that point, can we get back? And I'd answered, prove to me that you're serious about being sober. Because I didn't want the old life, the threats and the fear and, and the anxiety. That happens to a lot of people. It does. Yeah. Yeah. The home that then becomes false hope. And then the, oh my God, it's happening again, yeah. what do I do now? Yeah. See, I had it in my head, I'll do this two months and then I'll go back to work. And what was taught to me by my key worker and by various other members of staff there, don't go back to work, focus on your recovery. Be in recovery before you go back to work. Exactly, yeah. which is exactly what I did. I volunteered for changes two days a week, which I did for, I think it was around six months. Then I got a part-time job with them, which was three days a week, yeah. which I did, I think, for another six months-ish, mm. and then got a full-time job with them, which I did for the following year. And I volunteered for changes. You volunteered for changes as I well? I used to for come in, seven months I came in, because obviously the work I do now it's holistic, so it's Reiki, it's crystals, it's mm. all to do with energy. And he would come, obviously, to mine, and I would work with him. Reiki and crystals, and mm. so for Meditations. me, meditation. So for me, it was important to give back. I was asked once, why are you volunteering? You're not the one that's gone through. And I looked at the same person that asked me this question, quite stonely, like because it was just like, what a stupid question, but that was just me. And I said, well, let me explain. Without changes, I wouldn't have Daniel. And there's also the fact that you did go through it. Yes. You weren't actually in the rehab, but you did yeah. go through it. Yeah. Because the person who is the nearest and dearest of the person in rehab is going through rehab by proxy because of the one yeah. they love being in rehab. Yeah. And I think this often gets missed from the discussion. A hundred percent, because... Whatever he was going through, he would project onto whoever he was with. In that case, it was me. So whatever trauma he was going through in his mind, it would come out, whether it would be anger or sarcasm, or sometimes it would be quite cruel. There was a lot of trauma that I actually didn't realise I was going through until we had that break. And then it was this, like, ding moment. I was already working holistically, and I threw myself into that. I did more of it. I started teaching and all of that. So for me, it was important to give back. One, to say thank you, because I got Daniel back. But two, if I'm able to help me, and if I'm able to help Daniel, why can't I help everybody else? Because even if it's just half an hour, 45 minutes, lying on a bed, and you don't believe in it, but you're quite willing to have it, everybody would have an effect that was suitable for them. I never gave any expectation nor did I insist oh what did you feel what did you do? and they would tell me oh my gosh that felt great wow I haven't felt that relaxed even if just for half an hour I can enable somebody to literally switch off 
not have a busy busy mind not think oh my gosh have i done all of that just be you and no judgment no expectation then that was enough for me so for seven months i gave up every friday and the first couple of times that i was there i was begging people to come please come and have a session i'm bored and i ended up with a two-month waiting list yes <laughs> it was just like, oh, I'm leaving. No, you can't. Well, yeah, I've got no choice. School holidays are coming up it comes now. comes a point where you have to go and you have to just say the waiting list will have to wait, wait, Well, wait. this was it. Well, it was because it was summer. It was coming up to summer yeah. and I couldn't do that then. But yeah, it was a complete turnaround. And I felt really good that I was able to contribute. For me, it was silly. But to somebody else, that was their day. That was their afternoon. So you still have contact with a lot of the people that I you do. work with there? Yes. I'm friends with a lot of them on Facebook, so it's like a social media type thing. I see some of them as well as a friend. We've taken it out of the context of, hello, I'm your Reiki practitioner, to we're friends and we I can have it's a about conversation. That inclusivity, isn't it? Yeah. Because once we go into the recovery process, it's important that in their own way, everyone that is connected to it feels included. And it happens differently for families with different people. Yeah. Some people's families don't want to know, some people do get involved. Some, but there has to be some suggestion of inclusion in the first place. This isn't just something that happens to him and I don't know nothing about it and I won't be part of it at all because actually you are part of it whether you like it or not. <laughs> yes. I mean, you struggled with your mum and your brother to a point where they couldn't get past the behaviour because you threw a lot at them as well, let's face it. Mm. I they were less accepting than you were. It took them a longer. They're accepting yeah. now. But I think they were more, like I would call them a doubting Thomas. You have to see it to believe it. Yeah. They needed evidence. Yeah. Whereas I was seeing glimpses of it here, there and everywhere. And for me, that was enough. And I loved him. I can't switch that off. And Tried. also, as people <laughs> going into recovery, it's understandable. I can't expect that everyone who's been around me when I was chaotic is suddenly going to accept this seismic change. For me to suddenly expect that everyone would change in their aspect towards me would be absurd. Yeah. It's enough that I have some change around me. And also the fact that you've got them being accepting now yeah. shows that over time, when we are consistent, things do yeah. change anyway. Yeah. I mean, your mum, I think, was probably the hardest to convince because she was constantly waiting for the slip-up. She was constantly waiting for, it's almost like, wow, a year, well done, wow, two years, oh, my, oh, this is real. So even though she was there, she was still waiting hesitantly in the background. I think, in all fairness, we all were, but I was more show me and then willing to meet him halfway. Yeah, I mean, I think what I inflicted on my family was the, are we going to get the phone call at three o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And the constant yeah, expectation yeah, of it. Yeah. I mean, every constant time. thought that this might happen. Yeah. And it does take a long time to get round that. Well, yeah. this is it. What you've got to remember is every time the police got called to your house to remove me because I had a knife in my hand. It's only twice. Where would they take me? To your mum's. To my mum's. My mum's there, minding her own business, and the police car pulls up with the son who's absolutely blind drunk, who's spitting at her, swearing at her, Weeing in the pissing porch. all over the house. You kind of expect it to be a little bit standoffish for a while. But that's what I'm saying, though. It's like everybody is now fighting your corner. But there were some family members 
that were a bit more hesitant to fight that corner because they didn't want to get slapped. Metaphorically slapped, yeah, not yeah. physically slapped. But I see what you mean. So it was kind of like, I'll give you a centimetre, I'm not going to give you an inch. If I give you too much, you're just going to take me for granted because you have done that already. But it's totally understandable why. Yeah. And it's process in the yeah. same way as I have to believe that living in recovery is possible Everyone around me has to believe that it's possible for me to do it too. Exactly. It may take them longer than it takes me. Of course. Yeah. I mean, even when you asked me to marry you, my first response was, you need to be sober for at least a year for Mm. me to consider that because it's a big step. I didn't set conditions, but in a way I did. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah, I like that word better. (laughs) But there were boundaries because I didn't want to not be with you. But at the same time, I wanted to be with you as you are now, not as you were then. We didn't jump straight back into the relationship as it was either. I was allowed to stay at your house two nights a week. It was a Saturday and a Sunday or a Friday and a Saturday. That's it. I was only allowed out till 11 Mm o'clock. So yeah, it wasn't like we were in each other's pockets. But that was the nice... I was attending meetings four, maybe five times a week. So it was slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. But Um, that was the nice thing. Yeah. You had strict guidelines, and I'm going to use them as guidelines rather but than rules. Worked. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You, know you what I mean? had strict guidelines set by changes, set by people who have tried and tested yeah. this system. It's not like they've plucked out, oh, there's a rule, here we well, go. Random. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we're going to do today. These are tried and tested. Yeah, and they work. you didn't push that boundary. You stayed within it. Yeah. And actually, I seriously think if we had gone straight into all the relationship thing, I think we wouldn't have worked. Because well, better for your sake. No, the recovery wouldn't yeah. have worked. Yeah. No, but I'm yeah. saying we wouldn't have worked. Nothing would have worked. No. So we wouldn't be sat here now. But because we had no choice, we had to take it slow. Yeah. We enjoyed it. So the courtship. It was nice. It was, let's go for a date. felt like being a teenager. You've got a curfew. Because let's face, let's <laughs> face know, it. It's going to be over at 11. Uh, but it was, though. Yeah, like, Grown-up teenagers. Just Let's face it. When we first met and we were courting, I was already <coughs> a problem drinker. That's what I mean. So it was like we got the opportunity to start again, but we didn't reverse time. We started from that moment in time, yeah. but fresh. And we started fresh without the oh no, you did this and you did that and you said this and we didn't do that. I didn't bring up all your stuff that had happened from before. You didn't bring up stuff. No, what happened was I worked on the stuff that had happened before. Yeah, but I didn't remind you of. No, no, no. So there was that understanding of, okay, it's happened, didn't like it, but let's work from today. What's happening today? So we lived each day for the moment rather than living in the past. And that's how I think we grew. We got to know each other almost from the start. Did we have to start again? Yeah, it's true. I remember you being out that time and that time only because the first couple of months that I had in that house in Yardley, we were in the same house Yeah. before you moved here to where we're sitting now in Shelburne. (laughs) And then, what seemed like only a blink of an eye later, we were all at your wedding. Yeah. Yeah. The foundations you set there and then, looking from where I'm standing, I don't think you'd have got through the relapse had you not set those foundations in the way that you did. Because you spent a lot of time rebuilding in a way that most people don't. And this is why a lot of relationships fail very quickly, because people put the cart before the horse. But the mere fact that... 
you'd gone through that process and built a foundation again together meant that it's not that the pickup wasn't awful for you because I'm sure that it was yeah. I remember yeah but you managed it in a way that perhaps you might not have done had it all happened in nine months yeah. flat I think if this has happened before I got to know him and understand him and love him as in Daniel who he is today but also understand him as Daniel the addict because I had seen the elements of it but trust me I had not seen who Daniel really was as an addict I didn't know Daniel as an addict I knew traces of him so from my understanding of what Daniel is as an addict is completely different to how he would talk about himself the way I see it is he would present one mask for me, one mask for his mum, one mask for his friends, one mask for changes. Like a chameleon. Yeah. It's the sacred art of dissembly. Yes. And addicts and alcoholics are masters. I will give you whatever version of me that I want to give you to make sure that you give me what I want from you. Exactly. I will then go to another place and give them whatever version of me I need to give them. Yes. And I will lie through my teeth to give them whatever version that will suit me. Yeah. And it will always actually be my face, but the me I present is different in every different place that I go to. 100%. And so I knew one side of Daniel, but what he wanted to show me as an addict. So obviously getting to know him while he was going through changes, while he was going through rehab, watching him process stuff, coming back and saying, oh, wow, Jack, having epiphany moments or talking to me on the phone and saying, whoa, during your hour, did you just have like 10 minutes phone call? I was allowed minutes? a five minute phone call oh, a night. Yeah, and in that five minutes, I would get, whoa, I found this out about myself <laughs> and I've realized this about myself. So I'm lucky because I got to be there with him while he was redeveloping or re not redeveloping. Oh gosh. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, if we want to go into the computer terminology, it's actually like having a bloody great defrag done yeah. on your hard drive. Yeah. In that everything gets completely realigned. Mm -hmm. You're still you, but a whole load of things get realigned. A lot of things make sense that never used to make sense. Yep. What I present to other people suddenly becomes different from what I did present. I'm still me, but I'm a version of me that has, to put it in Doctor Who terms, regenerated. Yes. Do you know how I felt? I felt like somebody had cut the top of my head off, taken my brain out, giving it a really good scrub down and a wash, put it back in again. Yeah. But I'm lucky because I got to do that journey with you. That's what I honestly think. When you were rediscovering, that was the word I was looking for, when you were rediscovering who you are... We got there in the end. We did. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> but when we were rediscovering, you were rediscovering yourself. I was learning about you. I was understanding you because... You aren't that type of person not to explain things. If I get stuck, no, no, no. and if he's telling me something like, oh, this, this, and this, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And learning more about the disease of addiction as well. Yeah, mm. but you have a, I know he swears like a trooper, but he's very eloquent with his explanations, and he speaks in layman's terms for me so that I can understand it. So as much as you were going through the rehab, I was also going through it in a weird way because I was learning about Daniel. I think it's a crucial thing that I want us to communicate and that in recovery we perhaps don't communicate enough in that everybody knows an alcu or an addict somewhere on their street or somewhere at their workplace mm. or someone they went to school with or someone they used to work with. Or It's like six degrees of separation. 
yeah. you're always going to find someone yeah. who knows of course. and then it's a question of the degree of how much they've been affected it's like a little earthquake a butterfly wing and then there's a tsunami on the other side of the world when uppies and addicts are out there doing what they do in the madness they've got no concept of the damage they're inflicting yeah. and of course when they go into recovery like it says in the aa big book the family afterwards it is a family disease. Yeah, it's it not is. something mm-hmm. that purely affects the sufferer because not only do they have to get better, we have to help the people around them too. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying about the going through it together is really important. Just because you're not physically there, mm. it's not like going to relate or something. Just no. just because <laughs> you're not physically in the room doesn't mean you're not going through it because you are. Yeah, because you're going through it every day and every night. And still now. And still now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... And still continue for the rest of our lives. It's not like... We're always talking about recovery. That's what I was going to say. We're always talking about We will sit at home, television off, and we will have a conversation, and he'll tell me, oh, I saw so-and-so today, and that reminded me of when I was, and he'll Mm. go back into when I was young kind of thing. And he'll talk, and he'll reminisce, and... Now he can talk about it without it actually being a trigger or yeah. without me fearing it's going to be a trigger. My issue, and I know it's an issue of me, you're going to giggle now because you know I do this, when we're out and there is booze, I am a nervous wreck. Like the last event we had was my cousin's wedding. We were in Malta and it's an open bar in Malta. So you go to the bar and he was getting drinks and I was watching him like an absolute hawk. I don't know how he didn't feel my eyes burning holes in his back. I was going up and getting soft drinks for me and Jackie, but I was getting alcoholic drinks for other family members and bringing them back to the table. Which... And then spilling wine on someone's top and you're getting yeah, the white yeah. wine and rubbing it and I'm but going... Is... <gasps> I don't, the thing is, I don't have a problem with doing that now. But that's the no. position of neutrality. Do you know what I mean? That's where we get to in time. We become neutral over it. It's not the point where I'm terrified of going down the booze aisle in Tesco. Yeah. Alcohol makes no difference to me now. No. And yet for me, the I'm the one panicking. The compulsions. And you're panicking. Yeah. I'm the one panicking. The it's... compulsion's not there anymore. Yeah. But the roles have switched. Yeah. You yeah, are, there was a guy who spilled red wine on his T-shirt and I'm like, the, the best way to get rid of wine. working bars. Yeah. The best way yeah. to get rid of red wine is white, is white wine. wine. Go Every to the time. bar, get yeah. a glass of white wine. And I'm scrubbing it off his, off his T-shirt. And I'm sat there so straight back. It was unreal. The smell of the wine be a trigger. My panic. That that was my biggest panic. Like, oh my gosh, he's going to trigger. Oh my gosh, he's going to do this. But it's only through a lot of time and patience and a lot of hard work that I managed to get to that point where things like that aren't a trigger anymore. And yet, I'm still panicky. And that's what Which I'm trying to say. That's the delay thing. People come into recovery, they suddenly find out that they're not on their own. They suddenly find all these things and they actually start doing things and living without drinking drugs and thinking, oh, this is great. Yeah. There's a delay for the people around them yeah. there is to start believing it at all. Yeah. You see, when it's six months into recovery, people think, oh, fluffy pink clouds, oh, marvellous. Yeah. And yet the family haven't even started yet at that point. Yeah. Two years in, and they're getting uh, coins or key rings or whatever. It's oh, look, I'm I'm long term. No, you're not. <laughs> and yet, for the family, it's only just beginning. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about being near alcohol, because you can't avoid alcohol no. in any country, no, well, unless you go yeah. somewhere in the Emirates no, or whatever. Different. You can't avoid it. It's in your face. Yeah. 
the thing is I can find a position of neutrality or you can find a position of neutrality but that doesn't stop the people around me from panicking because they don't actually necessarily understand what I mean yeah. by a position of neutrality. Mine is just a fear and it's, it's a fear that I'm learning and trying to let go. It's a totally understandable one. If we're all at a wedding and you're 10 foot away from me sat at the table, mm -hmm. am I going to go and buy an alcoholic drink or am I going to go... You would if you were pissed. If you hadn't told her. Do you know what I mean? Or am I going to go to the off-licence behind your back and buy it? When you'd only just started drinking, that's what you'd do. Yeah. But once the wheels had come off, you'd be doing yeah. it straight Yeah, I mean, off. when you had your little blink, you didn't tell me, oh, Jack, I've had a drink, but I can't cope now, so now I'm on to the bottles. You in the kitchen, rocking back and forth, standing at the cooker, I'm looking at you... That's the thing with Daniel. Daniel, unless he's completely paralytic, you don't know he's drunk. He's got such a tall physique anyway. He absorbs the alcohol. So I've you... always been the same. My resilience to it was ridiculous. Yeah, so you would drink three times more than everybody else. Yeah. But my point was, I realised something was happening and wasn't normal when you stood there and was rocking back and forth and staring at things. And I thought, oh, something's wrong. He went to sleep. And at that point, I told my son, right, you go to the car. Here's his car keys. I want everything moved. Move the covers, move everything. Yeah. See if you can find bottles. Because I go into the freezer where he keeps his water bottle, mm. picked it up, and it was still liquid. Smelt it, drank it, poured it out. It was all solid vodka. And I thought, no chance. Oh, my gosh, we're here. So mm. that's when I then phoned up. At the time, the person he was working with is also in recovery and somebody else that you were living with at the time. Mm -hmm. So these are good friends. And I thought to myself, right, I'm struggling. And I panicked because I'm thinking I can't do this again. And they walked me through it. So this is two other people who have gone through recovery. And relapsed. And relapsed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they've gone know, through it. Swings it, is, it is part of recovery, isn't mm. it? Let's face it. But I didn't But it's something have... that we'd never experienced. Yeah. Or I'd, I'd never experienced mm. relapse before because I never stopped. Before. And I didn't know who else to talk to. Because if I go and speak to my mum, first thing is, leave him. Yeah. That'd be the first thing. Leave yeah, him. Yeah. You don't need this. Think of yourself. Because it was never told you so. Because actually, I think my mum's got a soft spot for Daniel. But don't mm. tell him. <laughs> she has. She she, but she has got a soft spot. She's mm. extremely conscious and very much, even when you were struggling, when you were homeless. She used to give me packed lunches. It man. was my mum. She gave yeah, him sleeping bags. Sleeping bags. So my yeah, mum yeah, was did, my mum was very much, you can't leave him alone. I'm like, ah, he's been like this to me. No, 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 you must. So my mum was very much always there. She mm. was probably, if anything, the one that would calm me down. So I had no one else to turn to, and I thought, right, okay, picked up the phone, phoned these two people, and they walked me through it. Every day, I got phone calls. How are you doing? How is he doing? What is he up to? And it was the first time I was now being supported by other people in recovery who yeah. cared about Daniel immensely, but because I was connected to Daniel, cared about me as well felt that oh, I've got somebody I can talk to and just blurt out whatever I'm feeling and they're not going to think, oh, you silly woman. Oh, don't exaggerate. Because if I did yeah. that to somebody else, that's what it would be. It'd be, yes. leave it, it's not worth it. Don't need the stress. Because that's what I was getting from friends. You don't need the stress, you're going to marry an alcoholic. Oh my God, leave him. And it was like, no, don't want to. Oh, he's going to be like this for the rest of his life. And so they helped Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that walked me through it, then helped you through it as well. 
But I think... I was chaperoned to meetings. Yeah. Not in the same car, but, right, you drive, I'll follow you. Yeah. And then I'll meet you after the meeting, get you home. And then I would get a phone call, Jack, he's left work. <clears throat> Let me know when he's home. So we would time how long yeah. it takes. All of this went on. I wouldn't have had this if there wasn't that fellowship, if there wasn't that connection. Oh, absolutely, if there wasn't yes. that. Yeah. But I ended up getting taken in, even though I wasn't in that group, if you like, in that circle. I was still welcomed in with open arms and looked after. It was all these little elements that I think kept us together. It's that sense of community in the middle of the That I hadn't realised. I've never needed to realise it until that point. And then plug them shamelessly. I will, I will. <laughs> so You have eight minutes. <laughs> right. I plug them shamelessly. Jack's wanted me to write a book. <laughs> yeah. And I Not a small like, ass then. <laughs> nah. And I was like, I haven't got it in me, I haven't got the time. But I don't know if I can do it. Book, I wanted you to write a write book. Write a book about the journey and my past and blah blah blah. His story, which is like he was identifying with other people, he will be able to touch and reach others. And help. Mm. Yes. But. He said no. I said no. Categorically, N-O. <laughs> so I said, okay, fine, I'm going to go. I wanted to find something that was a self-help tool. And I yeah. was looking for him for a Christmas present, birthday present. And I thought, oh, I know. I work with oracle cards. I work with tarot cards. I work with affirmation cards. Let me see. And I hunted high and low on any kind of platform you could think of for specifically addiction recovery affirmation cards. And there weren't any? No. Whoa. The cards that you get, if you go on places like eBay, Amazon, Etsy, right, all these big places that you'd expect to see them, you will get greeting cards that are specific, but not affirmation cards. They are watermarks, you know, like water paint and flowers yeah. and the rainbow. Very wishy-washy. Oh, my gosh. So I thought, if I was a guy, which obviously I'm not, I wouldn't want to use them. And if I was a woman in recovery, I wouldn't want to use them. And from what I had learned at that point, I thought, right, okay, Daniel, I'm going to create affirmation cards. Mm. Will you help me? Because... The cards are obviously for those in recovery, like active recovery, people who are looking to start the recovery journey. But because of my journey, I wanted them to be used for the family members as well. So these decks had to be used for everybody so that if that deck is at home, me as the wife can open that and I can use one of those affirmation cards. Daniel as the one in recovery can do that. Our son can do that. So it was important that it was inclusive for everyone. Hmm. So basically what was going to be a birthday present for me or a Christmas <laughs> present for me... I made him work. ...ended up being a year's worth of work fucking writing them. <laughs> <laughs> but, I thought we were going to come to that. You know what I mean? But... Every single bit of spare time that I got. Yeah. Because I remember the first message thinking, Dan, are you sure you know what you've taken on here? Hard work. But... Blood, the, sweat and tears. The thing is... A lot of tears were spent writing them, man. Ah. But the thing is, a lot of the cards I wrote on my own, because of the type of affirmation, it was something that I could write on my own. There are others where you had created the affirmation yourself, and I thought, okay, well, explain that affirmation. So we sat in the living room, television off, he's on one sofa, I'm on the other, I've got my pen and pad, and he's literally dictating. 
yeah. and then we'd write it down and then I go oh no you can't say that you've repeated this and and we'd come yeah. through and so basically it, the cards come with a, a companion book which gives an explanation of how to use the cards and there's a couple of questions in there for each yeah. for each card that you journal yeah and then there's an explanation of the affirmation and how the artwork that goes with it explain why we chose the artwork it's contemporary graffiti but why did we choose that because it's everywhere and, and addictions everywhere and what we also wanted was again because of what i'd already seen something had to have an impact and for me but also for you graffiti has an impact graffiti will stop you in your tracks and you can go whoa look at that that's amazing because it is artwork, it is skill. And it's relatable. And well. it's a lot of energy of the artist. So this was the theme. So it was days and days and days of scrawling through royalty-free images and, you know, speaking, eventually found the publisher. And also graffiti that we found ourselves in the streets. Yes, Daniel is actually card 23. There is a photograph of Daniel that I took when we went to Glastonbury of a, a wall and mm. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And he actually ended up in the deck, which is, I respect my loved ones. <laughs> but um, the other thing <laughs> is, obviously the rehab that I was in, that we were in, it's a 12 step rehab mm. and we're, we're both members of 12 step fellowships. A lot of people can't grasp the 12 step program. Oh, I find many people, so especially on Twitter, who just don't. Mm -hmm. The idea of these is that people that are, using the 12-step program that are part of the fellowships can relate to them but people that don't that can't grasp the 12-step well program there are there are other approaches you know people use avrt people you know use I mean? smart recovery there's a so and the, there's no the, reason the, why a resource like this can't the, be used this by is, anyone this is it but, this is, but this is the beauty it. of these is that we're also incorporating the 12-step program into them without actually incorporating it oh yeah so we've right. we've subtly Cards what? 1 to 12 yeah. <laughs> are the 12 steps, Okay. but without being the 12 steps, okay. if that so makes sense. So it's more like Daniel's, because he dictated pretty much all of those, it's more his interpretation of what the 12 steps is. Every card will have the matching image to that particular affirmation. It's been very carefully thought out. They then have two questions that you can journal, you can use to journal. The description covers the image, the affirmation itself, but it's also explaining. So people like me, who have no clue what goes on and what triggers and what fears you feel, you can then work through it and I can understand it. So you've got, starts off with your shadow, the ugliness, which is the real life of addiction, finishes off with light. And then underneath that, there are two additional tools, if you wish to add yeah. them, which is crystals and essential oils. So everybody... So it's a holistic approach to recovery. It is because a holistic approach. Because the holistic approach. approach has helped me. Yeah. So we decided to incorporate that yeah. into these. And there's 48 cards. Some of them are simple, I am enough. Hmm. Others, like yours... Card 16. I don't recollect. Yes, darling, you gave I us... I don't remember things I write these <laughs> yeah. days. Well, this is the thing. When the we were... problem with being over 50, you start forgetting <laughs> things. Oh, well, when we were going through this, we had quite a selection of affirmations, some that I had written because it was aimed for the family members as well, and some that Daniel had written, and I sent, you included, to friends of ours, all of whom were in the recovery section, and... I asked you, what affirmations do you say to yourself daily? And 
those who replied sent back and some of them we already had so I knew we were on the right track and yours was card 16 which was I can ask for help because it's there and we you loved remember it remember that <laughs> yeah baby <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you it was the only one that we got sent that we hadn't got already but that stood out more than any of the yeah. others so that has pride and place of card 16 just in case you want to have a look I will be having a look. Yeah, I know. You can carry on mine from work at my house for now. <laughs> but it's true, though. I'm really pleased to see these. And the idea, in principle, I'm staggered that they weren't there already, really. And I do think the holistic approach is important. And I think that whatever our approach to recovery is, whether we are following 12 steps or whether we are following other methods, you've still got to be open-minded. Yeah. And you've still got to be honest with yeah. yourself, if mm-hmm. nothing else. And you've still got to be willing. And therefore, any resource has got to be considered a possible, rather than this tunnel vision bollocks where people are just thinking, no, only this will work. Yeah. Because yeah. that's no good for me, and it's no good for the people around me. But it's also important, yeah. because when I was going through this journey, I didn't have anybody to say, ha, ah, this is what's going to happen, this is yeah, how you yeah. have to work. So for me, it was just as important to make it accessible to everybody involved in that person's life. Oh, not absolutely, Not just that yeah. person. It's... So that's where we came up with that concept. For me, it was when we finished it and we read the final proofread, Daniel was at work, I got up to card 30, I burst into tears. I know we wrote it but I couldn't believe they were our words. I read them and it was like, whoa, that sounds amazing. Whoa, that sounds it great. It was emotional, wasn't it? It was, and then I made him sit down and we finished the last 18 cards together and both of us sat almost in silence because they're our words, they're real. There's meditations involved in there. It's honest. There's honesty, yeah, there's poetry, there's your poem. There's honesty in there. But it was a tool that I wish I'd been given something like that. Because the whole way through, we were writing these cards. He would give me a whole sentence. And I'm thinking, what? Straight over my head. He'd have to explain it. I went, right, that's what we're doing. This is the critical thing. This is why, I mean, I'm always for this, that we need to focus on the whole family unit. Yeah. Yeah. Family unit is. Because one of the things that you most frequently hear from people who feel like they're outside the wall when Mm -hmm. the person's in rehab or or when the person's off their face is that they don't have anything to really help them. No, and that's where I think I push. And this will contribute towards that, I think. I mean, Um, this whole project started with a brainwave idea, oh, I'm going to write some cards in June of last year. And they went to print June of this year. In November, we found the publisher. So really from November till June, it was me pushing him, right, come on, come on, let's do this, let's do this. And I'm proud. I'm proud of Daniel. Absolutely. I'm proud of me because, not for want of a better word, I think they're amazing. Mm. They are pretty cool, man. I showed them to him and his face as he was going through them card by card. He was smiling. He was like, oh, oh. I think for me, this is starting a whole new chapter because... As he was explaining everything to me, and I'm going, oh, wow, really? Do you really think that? Wow, is that how they think? Is that how you... I didn't know half of what is in that book. I know now. So even living with him, going through rehab journey with him, I still didn't know half of what I've learned 
by writing this booklet. It still opened my eyes and I have got so much more to learn. But if I can do it... The idea is that it's helped you. Yeah. It's helped me. Yeah. Because I've managed to put yeah. my thoughts and feelings down on paper and the idea is that it's there to help other people. Mm -hmm. That's the build and end all. We wanted to help people, didn't we? There are people that have already booked and paid for the cards and one particular friend of mine, I thought she'd bought the deck for herself. She hasn't. She's bought it because her mother dips in and out so she's constantly relapses and I said to her oh okay she said so I'm hoping these cards will help and that was the biggest oh my gosh moment for me because this is exactly what that deck is for for well, yeah. people who are completely I can't talk to anyone because I'm ashamed that my mother keeps relapsing what do I do what do I do I can't go to meetings I've got young kids I don't want to admit yeah. that's what these cards are going to do I live in hope sometimes that someone somewhere who can't access anything else hears this yeah, yeah. and nice. I know it has happened yeah that would be nice because there are people who are still on their own with this yes and there always will be and there will be people that will see this card and won't buy it because the word addiction is, yeah, is in there but we're you always going to have that. we know that and there's only so much that we can do but everything we do that is proactive mm -hmm. counts but we felt it was important even yeah. when the publisher she wanted to change the image on the box. We yeah, were like, yeah. no, the image has to stay as it is. Of course it does. Change the title. No. no. This is addiction recovery. But it looks a bit dark. And I went... It's fucking dark, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Said, it's addiction. You know, it's fucking addiction dark. Addiction isn't rainbows <sighs> and fluffy clouds. No, there addiction aren't any is... <laughs> No, addiction is dark. And that was the whole um, point. But it... that's the honesty thing again. Yes. She respected yeah. us for it, though, didn't she? Yeah. I so. In the finish, after a bit of... Well, put it this way, when she was going through the process with us, I think it was probably halfway through doing the cards that she grasped why I was so adamant for this image. and Because it was constantly, no, 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 no. And then she grasped it. She was like, oh, wow, Jack. When we finished it, she said to me, I've learned something new. And I went, bingo, that's it. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. That is exactly that's what we, we want. And I will be advertising these shamelessly by just posting them when I post this <laughs> podcast. Go for it. I'm always open to hearing any story for doing this as a podcast. We want to hear any story that's connected in any way with recovery. And we don't hear as much from families as we might. Which is a shame. And I think to hear a dual journey is a particularly important thing. For that reason, I think we'll do this again in three months' time. Love to. Anyway, for those awesome. of you listening, if you've heard anything today that has resonated with you in any way about yourself or about anyone you know and love, anyone you work with, anyone you live with, even the caretaker's cat, if anything has resonated with you, then Google addiction, rehab, help, treatment. There's loads of things out there and not all of them cost money. And there are lots of ways to plug yourself in, including what we've just been talking about, yeah. like these cards or like podcasts that are produced independently that you can listen to and no one will know that you're listening yeah apart from me when i check the listening for you <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> but thanks dan thanks jackie no worries yeah, we'll do this again sorry. the other thing last little bit just sorry can't stop it, can you? <laughs> no, but again just because i'm aware of confidentiality when they are ordering through the website it is kept confidential Okay. So, obviously, I would have their name and address. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for yeah. sending things out. They don't get bombarded then with other right. bits and bobs. It's just this. I'll put that in. Yeah, because I, I definitely don't want those things.
Oh no, absolutely, I agree entirely. You know, it arrives in the brown on, but I like, like yeah, use I mean, the cord. You know, even when, when we're... <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>